If you want to know where we are on God's prophetic timetable, you have but to look at Israel, and in particular Jerusalem, and uh, perhaps over the last month or so, you followed a little bit of, of the battle in Jerusalem there on the Temple Mount, and uh, then you've seen the, uh, the uh, really the rockets that have been flying from the Gaza Strip into Israel. And if you followed the news media, you can mark it down. Most of it is propaganda and not truth any longer. And I, generally, you can see what the media is telling you and almost believe the opposite. And you're going to be pretty much in the right direction. And I was amazed in, in all of the battles that were taking place. Uh, everything was Israel's fault. And uh, the Palestinians were let off of the hook in every matter. But if you follow the truth of the issue... Uh, we've, we've given the illustration. It's like the brothers that were battling with each other. And mom came and asked who started it. And the one brother said, he started it when he hit me back. And that's kind of the perspective of the media. Israel started it when they hit back. And uh, yet we understand the, the background and the battle of it. You can pretty much see where we are on God's prophetic timetable. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, and we're going to, to look at a few verses here, just gaining the, the background. If you'll stand with me as we read a portion of God's word here tonight. Ezekiel chapter 36, and actually what I'm, what I'm doing is I'm marching toward, and we're not going to get there tonight, but we're marching toward Ezekiel 38 and 39 and Ezekiel 38 and 39, I, I believe we're, we're seeing the groundwork being put into place. And you're going to be amazed when we get to that portion of Scripture as to how all the pieces are falling together right before our very eyes. And the uh, very alliances, it's amazing. Uh, the countries that will fight against Israel and the countries that will stand for Israel, those alliances are already in place. And it's really amazing, and much of that is happening uh, right now in our day, right before our very eyes. And uh, you're going to see the, the miracle God predicted these things uh, over 2,000 years ago uh, during the days of Ezekiel. We're looking at 2,600 years ago or more. Uh, during the days of Ezekiel, we're witnessing events right now that God foretold 2,600 years ago. Isn't that amazing? Uh, here in Ezekiel 36, verse number 21, God speaking of his nation, of Israel. He says, But I had pity for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes. And this is very important. They did not deserve it. It's really a picture of grace. Uh, we don't deserve salvation nor do we deserve to continue in salvation. God does not do it for our name or for our sake or because we deserve it. But notice this. He says, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for mine holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen whither ye went. And I will sanctify, God says, my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. Again, the miracle of Israel. Uh, there's no other explanation than what is happening today is a miracle. 
And it's the hand of God performing it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this evening. And would you ask the Lord today to have his way in this service tonight? We still need to hear from the Lord. Father, I thank you. Thank you for the wonderful privilege of being in this place here tonight. Lord, I pray that you would challenge our hearts. And I don't know any heart here tonight, but Lord, there's somebody here tonight whose heart has maybe grown just a little bit cold, maybe a little bit indifferent towards your things. And I pray here tonight that you would use your truth, just a spark, a fire in that soul once again. It does seem that we're so quickly moving toward the fulfillment of these prophecies and your return. And this time where you will set up your kingdom here upon this earth, God, we pray that you would stir our hearts, that you would challenge us to give everything in our service to you. I thank you, Lord, for what you'll accomplish here this evening. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this evening. And again, these are, uh, as, we, as we begin, just lay a foundation, some very simple principles that I want to start with tonight. We know, of course, that God chose the nation of Israel for his purpose. It's evident throughout the word of God. Uh, when he called Abram, he promised in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, uh, God said to Abram, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, in that scripture, God promised to make of Abram a great nation. We know that nation was the nation of Israel. Uh, God promised to give to that nation a land. And we know that that piece of land, that real estate that God gave to that nation, is just a small uh, little piece of land, uh, just uh, right now about the size of New Jersey, uh, just a small piece of land there on the Mediterranean Sea that is surrounded by Arab nations. But God said, I'm going to give you a land. And then God promised to use that nation to bless the peoples of the earth. And ultimately, we know that that refers to the Messiah, to the Lord Jesus Christ. God brought through that nation the Lord Jesus Christ. And then God promised to bless those that bless that nation and to curse those who curse that nation. You can follow the history of nations and you can find that very thing to be so true. You can find nations that in their past stood against Israel, and you can find coming upon that nation a curse. You can find those nations that have stood with Israel, God has blessed in fulfillment of his prophecy. In the book of Genesis chapter 17 verse 7, God said of that nation and to Abram, I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee and their generations. And God said for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And so God established with that nation and with the seed of Abram an everlasting covenant. Now we've said this in the past. If God ever breaks his covenant with Israel, then we can never trust another word of God. But we know, of course, that God will never lie. He will never break his promise that God will always fulfill his word and that every promise of God can be trusted. Now, as we read through this passage of Scripture, one thing that becomes very prevalent in this portion of Ezekiel 
Is God desired to use Israel, uh, even in all of their flaws, God decided and chose to use that nation to show the world that he is God and that he is faithful to his promises. I want you to look again, Ezekiel 36, verse 23, and I, and I want to read a few verses here uh, before we really get into the message here tonight. In Ezekiel 36, verse 23, God said, And I will sanctify or set apart, that word sanctify means my great name, which was profaned among the heathen, which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, saith the Lord God, when I shall be sanctified in you before their eyes. And so God said that he would use that nation to show to the world that he is the living God. Uh, he says in verse number 32, it's not for your sakes that I do this. You don't deserve my blessings, but I'm doing this for my glory. Now move on into Ezekiel 37. Again, you'll see this same thought, Ezekiel 37, verse 27. And once again, God said, my tabernacle also shall be with them. Yea, I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and the heathen shall know that I, the Lord, do sanctify Israel, when my sanctuary shall be in the midst of them forevermore. And so God said, I'm going to do such a work with the nation of Israel that the heathen will know that I am the Lord. We go to chapter 38 and verse number 16. Chapter 38, verse number 16. And thou shalt come up against my people of Israel as a cloud to cover the land. It shall be in the latter days. And I will bring thee against my land that the heathen may know me. Now this speaks of Russia. We'll get into this and a, an alliance of nations involved with Russia that will come against Israel and God will fight on behalf of Israel. And he says that the heathen may know when I shall be sanctified in thee, O Gog, uh, which would refer to the leader of Russia before their eyes. In verse 17, thus saith the Lord God, art thou he of whom I have spoken in old time by my servants, the prophets of Israel, which prophesied in those days many years, that I would bring thee against them. And so God said he would allow this nation to come against Israel that the world might know that he is God. Look in verse 23 of chapter 38. He said, thus will I magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations, and they shall know that I am the Lord. We go to chapter 39 and verse number 6. God said, I will send a fire on Magog. This refers again to Russia, and in particular, Moscow, among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name anymore, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Now you'll see here very clearly in chapters 36, 37, 38, and 39 that God is going to use the nation of Israel to show all of the world that he is God. And on several occasions, God said that he would be sanctified. He would be set apart because of what he does with that nation. Now we're starting and just looking at this thought, the miracle of Israel. We are witnessing today a modern day miracle. You see, God is fulfilling these very scriptures. 
The Bible tells us in the book of um, Zechariah that Israel would be, and Jerusalem in particular, would be a burdensome stone. And all the nations of the earth would uh, be involved in her affairs. And again, God would protect that nation and show the world that he is God. God is fulfilling Bible prophecies. God is working today glorifying his name. Now, we're going to look at a few of the details, and, and then we're really moving towards an amazing prophecy in chapters 38 and 39, but we're going to give some details, examine a few of the details that God gives in these chapters to show him using the nation of Israel to glorify his name. Now, first of all, we'll see this back in chapter 36. God promised this nation, Israel, would be scattered amongst the nations for their sin. So we go to chapter 36, verse number 16. Chapter 36, verse number 16. It says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way, by their doings. Their way was before me as the uncleanness of a removed woman. Wherefore I poured my fury upon them, for the blood that they had shed upon the land, and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. Notice verse 19, And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed through the countries according to their way, and according to their doings I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen, they, whither they went, they profaned my holy name, when they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone forth out of the land. Now this was fulfilled, and this is amazing. Here's Ezekiel, 600 years before Christ, and Ezekiel is giving this prophecy, and this prophecy is actually fulfilled 70 years, or 70 A.D., and so here, over 600 years after this prophecy, uh, God fulfilled this prophecy. Jesus came to his own, and his own received him not. Uh, he was rejected. He rode into Jerusalem upon the donkey. I believe according to the prophecy of Daniel, had the Jews been alert, they would have known the very day that Jesus would be presented. They rejected him. They crucified him. Jesus looked out over the city, said, O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets, how often I've longed to gather thee under my feathers as a hen does her chicks, and you would not. And he says, Therefore, your house will be left to you desolate. Jesus was crucified. He was rejected. Uh, they mocked him. Uh, they hung him. And they profaned his name. When Jesus spoke those words, he predicted the downfall of Jerusalem, 70 AD. Titus and the Roman armies fulfilled that prophecy, and it was miraculous. Uh, Jerusalem was torn, desecrated. The temple was left with not one stone upon another. Uh, the Jews were literally scattered to the four winds of the earth. There's not a nation upon this earth that you cannot find a Jew. Uh, God scattered them through the nations of the earth. It's a testimony that God must judge sin and that God's word will be fulfilled. Now, though they were God's chosen, God is holy and his people could not live in sin and get away with it. 
And so God said, you've rejected me, you've turned to idols, and thus I must judge you. That was the prophecy in Ezekiel. But again, God was using that prophecy as a testimony to sanctify his holy name. So number one, God would scatter that nation through the nations of the earth. Now secondly, God promised that he would regather the nation back to their homeland, that nation that he gave as an everlasting covenant to Abram. Uh, Ezekiel 36, examine with me verse number 24. Ezekiel 36, verse number 24. God said, for I will take you from among the heathen, and gather you out of all countries, and will bring you into you, your own land. We go to verse number 34. And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that pass by. In verse 35, and they shall say, This land that was desolate is become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities have become fenced and inhabited. Then the heathen that are left round about you shall know that I, the Lord, build the ruined places and plant that that was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it. I will do it. Now again, this prophecy, 600 years before the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we are witnessing the fulfillment of that very prophecy. In the late 1800s, the Jews began to return to their land after centuries being scattered. That was a miracle. And the gathering back was a steady stream. After World War II, Hitler, the Jewish Holocaust, the murder of over six million Jews, the regathering back to Israel intensified. Uh, that regathering continues to our day. That desolate land is beginning to bloom again. It was really amazing in 2018 church you sent my wife and I to Israel and, and one of the things that I noticed in land that uh, during uh, Palestinian uh, days when the Jews were scattered, uh, that land was barren, it was desolate, but now it's beginning to bloom and there are orchards, uh, beautiful, beautiful land. We saw uh, banana plantations, we saw uh, greenhouses, we saw all sorts of beautiful uh, bloom uh, that had once been desert and God is beginning to make that land bloom again in fulfillment of this prophecy. He's bringing Jews back to their homeland, and he's doing so because of the prophecies that we're going to read about here in later days. God is preparing for the latter days. He's preparing for the end times. He's preparing for this return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And according to these prophecies, this is going to have its complete fulfillment during the tribulation and entering into the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what God again is doing as he regathers the children of Israel back to their homeland, God is showing the world that he is faithful, even when his people are not. He says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. God will always, always, always keep his promises. He is not a man that he should lie. God made an eternal covenant that covenant was not dependent upon the faithfulness of Israel. That covenant was dependent upon the faithfulness of God. And friend, if you're saved here tonight, 
The covenant that God has with you is an everlasting covenant, and that covenant with you is not determined by your faithfulness. It's determined by God's faithfulness. And God gives to His children eternal life that will never be taken from them. So God is using the regathering back to Israel to show that He is God. Now thirdly, God promised to make of Israel again one nation. This is very important. Look in chapter 37. Chapter 37, beginning at verse number 15. Chapter 30, and I'm going to read a portion of Scripture, and so if you'll bear with me, and we'll come back and make some observations. The word of the Lord, verse 15, 37 the word of the Lord came again to me, saying, Moreover, thou son of man, take thee one stick, and write upon it for Judah, and for the children of Israel his companions. Then take another stick, and write upon it for Joseph the stick of Ephraim, and for all the house of Israel his companions. And join them one to another into one stick, that they may become one in thine hand. And when the children of Israel, or when the children of thy people, shall speak unto thee, saying, Wilt thou not show us what thou meanest by these? Say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, and the tribes of Israel his fellows, and will put them with him, even with the stick of Judah, and make them one stick, and they shall be one in mine hand. And the sticks whereon thou writest shall be in thine hand before thine eyes. And say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I will take the children of Israel from among the heathen. Whither they be gone, will gather them on every side, bring them into their own land. And I will make them one nation in the land upon the mountains of Israel. And one king shall be unto them. And of course we know that ultimately that will be King Jesus to them all. And they shall no more be two nations, neither shall they be divided into two kingdoms anymore at all. Now, what is God saying? After the reign of Solomon, Israel was divided. There was the northern kingdom, known as Israel, that was Ephraim, the ten tribes. They were led by Jeroboam. They've often been referred to as the bad kings of Israel. Ahab, you know the story, wicked king. Jezebel, his wife. You'll follow the story of the kings of the north, and they were idolaters and turned away from God. Uh, when we were in Israel back in 2018, one of my favorite places, we went to the northern border of Israel, bordering Lebanon. It was known as the Tel Dan Reserve. Uh, we went to the temple of these false kings, or of these kings, their temples to the false gods. And we saw their sacrifices. We didn't participate in those, but we saw where they offered those sacrifices unto idols or to false gods. It was really an interesting time there. That was the northern empire. Uh, we know in 722 that uh, they were attacked. The northern empire was dispersed. And we know that the Samaritans came about as a result of the mix between the Assyrians and the Israelites. And they were the half-breed or the half-blood. Uh, then there was the southern kingdom. That was Judah. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, the son of David. This was the kingdom of the line or the lineage of the kings of David. Many good kings in the southern empire. Uh, one of my favorite, Jehoshaphat, Hezekiah, Josiah. These were good kings that loved the Lord. 
586 B.C., the southern kingdom was judged through Babylon after 70 years of captivity. God returned them, and the temple was rebuilt at that time. And then again in 70 A.D., God scattered the Jews worldwide, as we've mentioned. Now here is something that is miraculous. We're witnessing the fulfillment of this in our day. 1948, God reestablished the nation of Israel. No longer is there a southern kingdom and a northern kingdom. God put them together as one nation. We had the privilege of traveling to both parts. We went to the southern part of Jerusalem. That was the king or the, the capital city of King David. Uh, we went to the northern empire near the Sea of Galilee, but all of this now, one nation, God brought it about, one unified nation, and God promised that that nation would never again be destroyed. Amen. Now you can mark the word of God when God established this in 1948. I don't care how many kingdoms come against Israel, God will fight on behalf of Israel. 1949, Arab nations tried to kick Israel into the sea. Again, in 1956, they tried unsuccessfully. 1967, once again, they tried. In 1973, again, they tried. And of course, we're seeing uh, the battle from the Gaza Strip and the, the, the statement by many of the Arab nations and Palestinians around them, especially Iran, has made this statement. They want to dismiss Israel. They want to drive them into the sea. But amazingly, every time nations come against Israel, God has expanded their territory because God is fulfilling his word. See, God cannot lie. He's continued to protect and even expand this nation. I mentioned 1967. That was the Six-Day War. I, I watched a little video clip on that just today. Uh, everybody was fearful for Israel. Uh, they were outnumbered militarily outnumbered by men, outnumbered by planes, outnumbered by ship, outnumbered by tank. Uh, the world looked upon this and saw the situation of Israel as hopeless. Uh, the United Nations had to gather together Israel and the allies, not the allies, but the enemies of Israel after six days because Israel was about to obliterate the enemy. And they increased their territory three and a half times. There were some amazing miracles. There was no explanation for it other than God did it. There were stories of the enemy sending rockets against Israel and they would hit their weapons and not explode. No explanation other than God protected them. Some amazing stories. We don't have time to recount. But what we can say is that God established one nation as he said he would, and he's protected that nation and continued that nation. During the tribulation, Israel will be one nation. And we know in the book of Revelation chapter 7 that out of that nation, God will raise up 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel. I've heard some express, well, we don't have the lineage, the records. We don't know what tribes. I do know this, God knows. But I do know also, a preacher recently told me, Brother, Brother Joe Martinez uh, was telling me, explaining to me that he, he just recently read some reports that now DNA technology, that can actually trace the lineage and tell from which tribe. Isn't that amazing? 
See, God fulfills always his word. And so God is proving to the world that he is God. Number four, God promised a spiritual revival to this nation. Now, we've preached on that out of Ezekiel 37. It was illustrated, Ezekiel 37, the revival in the Valley of Dry Bones. We're not going to review all of that, but there was a valley of dry bones. They were scattered, very dry, dead. It's a picture of the nation of Israel scattered through the nations of the world. Then there was the regathering of the bones as Ezekiel preached. Look in Ezekiel 37, verse 7. It says, So I prophesied, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sign used, and the flesh came up upon them. The skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. So a valley of dry bones scattered, and now a regathering of the bones, and we're witnessing this regathering of the bones right now. And God is gathering and putting flesh and sign use on the bone. He's gathering his people. He's positioning his nation but verse number 8 says, but there was no breath in them, speaks of spiritual deadness, and that would describe Israel today. We understand as we talk about this nation, it's a very liberal nation. Many agnostics, many atheists, sinful lifestyles, adultery, homosexuality is very prominent in the nation of Israel right now. There's spiritual deadness. The bones have been put together in a body, flesh upon the bones, but no life. And we're waiting for that third stage, the spiritual revival. In verses 9 and 10 of Ezekiel 37, Then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, O son of man, say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Uh, the greatest revival the world has ever witnessed, I believe, is yet future, going to take place in the tribulation as God works a miracle, brings spiritual life to the nation of Israel. Some amazing things foretold. Go back to chapter 36. When this revival takes place, look in verse 26. There will be a new heart, a spiritual birth given to these people. He says, a new heart also will I give you. A new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. Speaks of a spiritual birth. Uh, the law could never save. Religion, works, man's efforts, they fall short. God must change the heart. That's the new birth. And what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his son made in the likeness of sinful man. And God will do that spiritual work in the nation of Israel in the latter days. Uh, there would be a spiritual cleansing. Look in chapter 36, verse 25. God said, Then I will spring clean water upon you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all your idols will I cleanse you. We go to verse number 29. I will also save you from all your uncleanness. I will call for corn and will increase it and lay no famine upon you. 
Verse number 33, Thus saith the Lord God, In the day that I have cleansed you from all your iniquities, I will also cause you to dwell in the cities, and the wastes shall be builded. So there will be a spiritual cleansing. He says in verse number 28, There will be a spiritual relationship. You shall dwell in the land that I give to your fathers. You shall be my people. And I like this statement. He says, I will be your God. And then he foretells in this chapter many spiritual blessings. For example, the latter part of verse number 29, he says, I will increase it. He says in verse number 30, and I will multiply the fruit of the tree, the increase of the field, that ye shall receive no more reproach of famine among the heathen. Uh, he states in verse number 34, And the desolate land shall be tilled, whereas it lay desolate in the sight of all that passed by. And they shall say, This land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden, and the waste and desolate and ruined cities shall be fenced and inhabited. These are the blessings that God predicts. He says in verse number 31, That if we give them spiritual desires, then shall you remember your own evil ways and your doings that were not good, and shall loathe yourselves in your own sight for your iniquities and for your abominations. And God would give them a desire, a heart for God. Now, here's what I think. What a miracle God will work. A miracle. Have you ever witnessed to a Jew? I've witnessed to several. There's a spiritual blindness. I think of a young man named David, New York City. We opened Isaiah 53, shared with him how Jesus was the Messiah. It was really interesting to see his response, and I think he understood and began to realize this, but there is a blindness that's happened to Israel. During the tribulation, the blinded eyes are going to be opened. They will see that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. They'll look upon him whom they have pierced. They will recognize the Antichrist as a false Messiah. And they will turn in saving faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. What a miracle. And God will use that miracle to show the world that he is God. I want to, to very quickly here tonight just make some applications to you and I. See, just as God wanted a relationship with Israel, God wants a relationship with us, with you. See, God wants to know you. He's a relational God. He wants to be your God, a personal relationship with you. And God wants to use you to bring glory to his name. God did not raise up Israel for their own sake, but for his sake. And God wants to use you, not for your glory, but for his glory. That's why he says in Matthew 5, verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now my prayer for my own life is, God, I, I want to glorify you. I prayed that since I was a junior in high school. My prayer for my family, my children, my grandchildren. I want my family to glorify the Lord. Before I met my wife, I dedicated and said, Lord, when I get married, I want to be in church. I want my family to grow up in church and want to serve you. I want my family to glorify you. We made some commitments. We do some things in our home. You would say, wow, that, that's weird. We didn't have a television. 
there are a lot of things that we did not do in our home. There are some things that others would look at and say, that's old-fashioned, that's old fogey. But what we had determined is that we wanted to glorify Jesus Christ. We wanted that to be first and foremost. We did not want sports to be our priority. We wanted the Lord to be our priority because we wanted to glorify Jesus Christ. I want this church to glorify the Lord. Before coming to Valley Bible Baptist, uh, my wife and I drove. This was way back, 1988. We drove to Espanola. I knew in my heart that this is where God wanted us. It was in January of 88. It was in March of 88 that I came here as pastor. I have prayed over and over. God use Valley Bible Baptist to show that you're the living God. Lord, show this valley. This valley at one time was the highest OD uh, per drug, per, uh, drug OD per capita in the world. And, and my prayer has been, God, use this church to show this valley that you're a living God. To show this valley that you can save, that you can set the captive free, that you can make a difference, that you can change a life, that you can put together a broken home, that you can bring back a rebellious child. Lord, that you can make a difference. Use this church to show that you answer prayer. Use this church to show that you are God. Glorify your name. That's been my prayer for Valley Bible Baptist Church. God wants to use you, your family, your home, just as he used Israel to glorify his name. Now here's the third principle. When our testimony hinders God's cause, God must discipline. Like Israel, he pities his own, but he loves us so much that he wants to draw us back. And even in his discipline, God glorifies his name. In Hebrews 12, verse 11, no chastening for the present seemed to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness to them which are exercised thereby. See, God is always faithful even when we are not. And God uses his faithfulness always to draw us back to him. Now, we don't have time to develop this tonight, but our last principle that we're going to move toward, and we'll spend probably a couple of services with this, is God promised to protect this nation. And he did so against all odds. And we're going to see some amazing prophecies, and miracles that are yet future. It's the miracle of Israel. You want to know that God is God? Look to Israel. Examine what God has done in Israel. Look at what God is doing in Israel. Look at the prophecies that there is no explanation for it, other than God said it, and God fulfilled his word. Look at those prophecies. You want to know that God is God? Look to Israel. You want to know where we are on God's timetable? You look to Israel. I'd like with that this, this evening, simply to come to the